Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes, and this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is Tart, two stories by frequent contributor and friend of the show, Carl Tart. Carl first describes how he broke up with a girl he was never officially dating, and then he recounts a cross-country trip to an ill-fated family reunion. And later, I long-windedly describe how I recently uncovered the truth about a strange night many years ago between an ex-girlfriend and another guy. But let's not dawdle. First up, Carl Tart. This is a story of how I broke up with a girl who I was never officially in a relationship with. Uh, she broke up with me. So I was at a birthday party, and um, there were a lot of girls at this birthday party. It was a girl's birthday party. And um, I'm a pretty shy dude when it comes to girls and interactions. I've kind of always been. And uh, so this girl walked up to me and intro- like had her friend like introduce her to me like like try to like set us up and I'm like okay well this is cool because I don't have to do no work all I gotta do is you know tell a couple jokes and make some funny faces and stuff and then uh, this is nailed and uh and so uh she 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 comes up to me and she's like what's up uh do you smoke and I'm like well no I don't um sorry I don't she's like that's cool that's cool well uh yeah, well, let's go get, let's go take some shots. Like, um, let's go hang out. What's up? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, I'll have like one. And she's like not interested in having more. She's, you know, just, just one. She wants a lot. So anyway, we, we exchange numbers and we begin to text and everything's cool. And she's talking about, oh, I thought you were cute at the party and stuff. That's why I had her introduce me to you and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, nice. Yeah, well, you were cute too. She was fine. She looked good. And uh, so I was like, really, I was excited. And um, so she, so one night she was like, oh, I'm just bored at home. Like, what's up with you? And I'm like, nothing. I'm bored at home too. Like, you want to hang out or something? And like, she's like, well, yeah, you can come over, but this ain't no booty call. Don't think that this is a. I'm like, no, I wasn't thinking that. So that right there told me that she was interested in getting to know me. Okay, so I went over and I was very respectful, and she wanted me to drink a lot that night. And I was like, no, because I got to drive back home. In my mama's car, and I don't want to like I don't want to mess that up. So she um, she's like, oh yeah, okay. Why are your jeans so tight? And I'm like, well, that's how I wear them. I'm I bought them. I work for my jeans. If you want to buy me some jeans, that's cool. I probably won't wear them, but okay. So then she's like, so what you do? Like stand up? Come? I'm like, no, I do improv. Wait, improv? Like Wayne Brady? And I'm like, I guess if if that's what you so. Already, she's. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Now, I'm not. I'm at at the time. I'm 21 years old, and I'm gonna give away a secret to the ladies in here. But at 21 years old, men don't always want a relationship. But I'm not. I'm not the type of guy to come out out front and say that. I'll I'll see what the girl how, like. I'll get to know her first before I try and you know do the H and Q. And um, like so anyway we're we're going through this and I leave and then I come back another time and I take her out on a date and everything's cool I invite her to a show here and she enjoys that and uh I remember we were we 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 decided to walk down Hollywood Boulevard and we were passing the Pantages Theater and they were letting out of like a show of wicked and this kid walked in front of her and she like pushed the kid out of the way like move and I'm like whoa that's a kid why'd you 
pushed it, but I was like, okay, that's fine. This girl is fine. Look at her face. Look at that ass. And so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll let it slide. So then after like five times of hanging out, we go hang out and we go to this uh, sushi restaurant. She's got me doing like sake bombs and stuff and I'm not a drinker, really. And so I'm like, really, like, she's like, you're not going to die, are you? I'm like, no, I'm not going to die. I'm like 230 pounds. I'm six foot two. I'm not going to die from a couple of sake bombs, but I don't want to be drinking at noon. It's noon. And so we get, we get, back, to, we get back to her house and she's like, why haven't you like made a move on me yet? Like, are you gay or something? I'm like, no, I'm not gay. I'm, I'm like, why would you think I was gay? What I you, well, we've we've hung out like four times. I'm like, it's been like a week, and like we've hung out like four times. And you haven't even like tried to like hook up with me or anything. Like me and my friends, like we think you're gay. And I'm like, all right, look, I'll prove to you tonight I ain't gay. If you want to talk about that, and so that night we hung out again, and it finally happened, and everything was all cool, and she uh, she seemed to enjoy it. And everything, and so I was like, "You still think I'm gay?" And she was like, "No." And I could, I know you're not. And um, so after after that, like a, a couple, like a day later, I, I hit her up like, "Hey, so what's up? Like, when are we gonna hang out again?" And she was like being really short with me as I was talking to her, and I was like joking and blah blah. And she was being really short and like not really texting me back. Like, yeah, no, ugh, what? Okay. And I'm like, "What kind of what kind of text? What what is this?" So she, so I'm like, what's, what's going on? I'm like, when are we going to hang out again or whatever? And she was like, um, I don't, th- we're two different people. I don't think this is going to work out. Like, you're not, you're not really, and, and she was like, but you can still hook up with me though. Like, I'm fine with that. That was pretty fun. And I'm like, great. That's all I want in the first place. Like, that, that's fine. So after a while, so I went back over there and we did it for a couple more like weeks. And then after a while, like I would go over there. And instead of like hanging out after and joking around, she'd be like, all right, I'm going to sleep and like roll over and like basically say like, you can, there's the door, you can leave. And so then I started getting kind of hurt. Like, wait a minute, what's wrong with me? To where you want to kick me out of like, this is supposed to be the other way around. I'm the dude. I can't be hurt. Like what, what is wrong with me? Why you can't, why you can't want to stay with me? Like what's wrong with me? You just like, so like. I was like, you know, this ain't going to work. This, this is not because I don't even want to be your boyfriend, but I'm acting like I do because I feel my feelings are hurt. What is wrong with me? There's a lot of girls like me. I'm funny. I, I'm, I do improv. Wayne Brady. Like, so that, that, that's how I broke up that. I was like, no, nah, we can't do this no more. I'm going to go find somebody who, who's interested in just being a hit it and quit it for me. She's going to be the one hurt. Thank you. Next up, once again, Carl Tart. I am originally from Mississippi. And 2011, in August, my mom said, hey, I want to go to the family reunion this year. Because my mom moved here to Los Angeles, and I had to come along because I was a kid. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so she... She said, hey, I want to go to family reunion this year, so be saving up money, because I'm an adult now, so I got to pay for my own ticket when we fly, which sucks. I was like, well, Ma, I can't go. Uh, I don't have enough money for a ticket. And she was like, oh, no, that's okay, because I'm thinking about driving. And I said, all right, well, have fun on the trip. I'll be here, because I'm not about to drive three days to Mississippi. And she was like, oh, yes, you are. And even no matter how old you get, your mother can still boss you around. 
and make you feel really guilty. She was going, oh, you know, your grandmother don't have much time left, and, and you got to see her. You don't want to see her. And, uh, like, I was like, she, like, I love her to death, but she doesn't know who I am. And <laughs> she, she raised me until about 10 years old when I came here, and, and that's how she remembers me. She remembers me as a little kid. And it's really sad. I don't really want to want to see that. And then she goes, you don't want to see your dad? I was like, he hasn't wanted to see me. So why? It's funny because it's true. And like, <laughs> he hasn't. He, he did. He hasn't. I'm, he's a great guy, I'm sure. But he hasn't wanted to. So like, no, I, I wasn't really amped about this trip. Okay. So after a few days of all my family calling and saying how I, how I, I need to come and how they haven't seen me and since... Uh, blah blah blah, and I was like, "All right, all right, I'll go." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, can't go. I'm graduating the conservatory at Second City." And I was like, "See you later, mom." So I leave, go to work. She she calls Second City as if this is a high school, <laughs> and I'm in trouble. <laughs> and says, "Hey, uh, when is the conservatory graduation?" And they was like, "Oh, that passed two weeks ago." And she's like, "I'm Carl Tart's mom." They're like, "Oh, hi." I'm like, "Thanks, Carrie White." <laughs> so so uh, all this passed I said alright mom I'll go but you gotta get a car it's got a lot of leg room I'm 6'2 I need some leg room she goes and rents a Hyundai piece of shit and I'm forced to drive uh, this long distance in this car the drive to Mississippi from here was not bad had a pretty good time I, like, I was like, okay, all right. I was maybe being a pain. This is fine. I got to see some nice sights. Got to drive through Texas for a whole day. Uh, and, you know, I got to see some cool stuff. It was, it was, it was all right. But what, when we got there, that's when the, the drama started. Because the weekend that we got there, we drove three days for a two-day trip. And then to drive three days back. It was stupid. But a tropical storm hit that weekend in Mississippi in Alabama and Louisiana. And now, you know, since Katrina, they're on high alert for these things. And uh, that was bad. The weather was really bad. And we had to drive from where we live to the family reunion, which is three hours north. And we drove. Uh, we didn't rent a van for my big family to go up there. We, my uncle, my mom's younger brother, said, oh, we can take my Explorer. I mean, my expedition. It's fine. This weekend, his sunroof gets jammed. And as you remember from 20 seconds ago, there was a tropical storm this weekend. We still took this car. My uncle, we're all friends here, guys. I'll get a little personal. My uncle has a drug problem. <laughs> and so the money, the money that, he, that, that he saved for this trip was gone when we got there. And so my mom got pissed at him because she had to pay for his gas plus the car that we rented, she had to take, pay for that gas. So I had to drive his car because he doesn't have a license. And um, so I'm in the ex expedition with the broken sunroof. It's pouring raining. I keep my songs on the radio keep getting interrupted by the National Weather Association saying that there's a tornado in the area. And I'm just like looking. A lot of trees like Florida. Um, it's just a bad situation. He doesn't have any money. I'm not paying for none of his stuff because he is 15 years older than me and he's my uncle. And uh, it, it's just, we get there finally. Everybody's wet. The car smells like mildew. And it's, I mess up my shoes that I bought for the trip. 
That was awful. And uh, we have the family reunion. We get there too late. They run out of fish. That's fried fish is a delicacy on the Gulf Coast. They run out. Uh, I'm not happy about that. My aunt's famous peach cobbler is gone. And she doesn't make any more. Get through the weekend. We got to drive back. The rain is still very heavy. I'm in the car with my uncle, who doesn't have a license and no money, so we barely get back. And, like, five of my cousins, who are all girls under the age of 16. And he, obviously, as from what I've told you, he's not, he's kind of a low-life guy, and they know that because they're at that age where everything is this, neck popping and stuff. And so they're dogging him out, and he's arguing with them back, and I'm like, you are 20 years older than them! Why are you arguing with them?! And it's just an awful time. Like, I go to my mom and I say, Mom, I will never forgive you for making me come here. I love this place. This is where I was born. I never want to come back. <laughs> and we got back in the car. Had a nice drive back here. Texas has a lot of deer. I almost hit a few of them. And uh, we made it back. And I haven't been back since. So, but... Mississippi's a great place. You guys should all check it out. And finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. Two weeks ago, I was hanging out with my best friend. We were sitting at his house. We were having a couple drinks. We were swapping stories. We were just laughing and having a great time. At one point, I told him, my ex-girlfriend, who for the purpose of this story, I will call Toots, <laughs> because it rhymes with her last name, Toots is having a baby, and she's going to deliver it the next couple weeks. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Then I decided to tell him a secret, something I had not told him in many, many years about one night, one night that was so mysterious to both Toots and I, and we thought about it for a long time and talked about it incessantly. But I told my best friend this story, and he started laughing, and he told me the answer to this mystery that had happened for so long between my ex-girlfriend and myself and it was the most satisfying ending it could be I started dating toots uh, back in 2005 I was uh, teaching an improv class she was in the improv class because her school where she taught kindergarten paid for it to go for her to go do it and she thought I'll get better at improv and maybe I'll meet a dude prophetic so she uh, on the last day of class, I'm sitting uh, with the, uh, her class, and she says, I have to go to this wedding, but all my back pocket boys, which is what she called them, the boys that she could call anytime she wanted, and they would do her bidding at whatever, all her back pocket boys had fallen through. So she asked, oh, me, and fifth choice McGinn steps up to the plate. <laughs> And I said, sure, I'll go with you. We went to the Chicago Art Institute to go see this wedding. And it became a great bonding experience because we had a great time. And we were just laughing at the fact that the father-in-law, uh, the father of the bride, when he gave his speech, could not have sounded more apathetic and hate-driven towards the groom, his new son-in-law. So we had a great time with that. Uh, we went back to her apartment. Things got heated. Things were fun. And then next thing we knew, we started dating. And then here was the cool part. It was a finite relationship. We knew for a fact that I had already accepted a contract and I was leaving town. I was going to leave Chicago for what I thought was going to be forever. 
So we were going to have four months of just fun, frivolity, hanging out, just being awesome with no pressure. I leave. I go do this other job. But we still stay in contact. We start uh, really staying in touch and really talking and liking each other. And then um, we decide she's going to come visit me. I was on a cruise ship at the time. She was going to come visit me for a week. And our relationship was starting to progress. And it was very nice. And then suddenly... And here's where this takes a turn, but it's only a brief turn. Then my mother gets very sick and diagnosed as terminal, and I've got to drop everything and go home. During this time period, if you, anyone here has seen Four Aces, uh, here's a huge subplot I left out. She was very instrumental and helpful to me. I could not have gotten through all of that without her. And it became one of the best things she could have done. And she saw me at my best. And the joke I always like to make is, if you want a woman to fall in love with you, show her how you treat your dying mother. If you want it to last, I have no idea. I can't help you. <laughs> so, after all was said and done, um, that chapter of my life closed. And then for Toots and I, we had to figure out what we were going to do next. But I was uh, unsure. Uh, this was a very big thing. I had never had to experience grief to this level before. And I was confused. And uh, not going to lie, I had a lot of money. So I was going to travel the country. And I had this huge plan in mind that I was going to run into people from my life. Before I made a decision of what I was going to do next, I was going to make sure I had an informed decision. And I went and I talked to 75 people from my past, either by coincidence or design, to find out where they were. I interviewed them to find out where they were in their, their life. So when I made my decision, it was going to be extremely well informed. I make the decision. I want to be with her. Now, to be with her, she had gotten accepted uh, on a scholarship to get her PhD at the University of Michigan, and she would be moving there. So if I was to be with her, I would have to go to the University of Michigan with her, and uh, that would be my life. But you know what? It all made sense. I had to go see about a girl, and I moved up there with her. And we lived in Ann Arbor. We, her, her very rich parents bought a four-bedroom house for the two of us to live in and made me pay rent. And... <laughs> And when we got to Ann Arbor, we lived happily ever after until the end of this sentence when I inform you that we did not. <laughs> Things started going a little awry, but at the same time, we were still very good friends. And um, yeah, the many factors involved. But one of the things we did to keep us interested in Ann Arbor, because uh, you move to a new town as an adult, it's hard to make new adult friends, especially if you don't have a community in which to already operate. But... We made some friends. One of them was my best friend also came from Michigan. So the same one I was talking to at the beginning, he would come to visit Michigan often with his wife at the time, uh, who's still his wife this time. And, um, <laughs> but also her brother lives in Ann Arbor, who I will from this point on call John Biner. Not his name, but it rhymes. And his girlfriend. So one night, myself... Toots, my best friend, his wife, John Biner, the brother, and his girlfriend all went to dinner. Now, on a quick side note, Toots and I had a conversation one night early on in our relationship. What's your type? I, being polite and smart, said you. You're my type. Short, uh, brown-haired ladies. You know, I love that so much. The question goes to her. 
What's your type? Short Jewish guys. Oh, great. Cool. I'm glad I'm exactly that. Um, but that was her type. That was the kind that would drive her absolutely crazy. Put Ben Folds in a room with her, she would melt. Um, so we go to dinner with the six of us. John Biner fits this description perfectly. So much so that we would joke about it and she would uh, say things like, Hi, John Biner. She would say it in a way that was she was flirting with him, but not really. It was just kind of cute. Because uh, it's kind of fun when people find you attractive. So she would uh, kind of flirt with him. Then, at one point during dinner, they're sitting next to each other and he gives the old, and puts his arm around her and holds it there for 15 minutes. I'm sitting across the table she and I are looking at each other, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on right now. But neither of us want to stop it because it is still kind of funny that this is happening. Now, dinner progresses. She's titillated. I'm not going to lie, nor would she. She was titillated. She loved the fact that he was giving her that attention. And then uh, afterwards, we went out. Uh, and then for the next year, we talked about that dinner for so long. It was always a subject of conversation. What was John Biner doing that night? Why did he do that? We don't know. Eventually, we broke up. And that was three, three plus years ago. And she just had a baby, as I said. And uh, so I was over at my best friend's house. And I was saying, I never told you this because it was your brother-in-law. I didn't want to say it to you. And then you tell your wife, she tells uh, her brother, and then it becomes awkward. Uh, but I can tell you now, I mean, it's so long ago, and she's having a baby. Uh, oh my God, I wonder, we still could not figure out what he was doing. Then my best friend started laughing, and he said, oh, my God. When John Biner was a kid, John Biner was a gymnast. He messed up his shoulder so bad that he had three surgeries on it. So if he does not stretch his shoulder out at regular intervals, it cramps up so much that it possibly atrophies. So he's got to constantly keep it moving and stretched at all times. I was so excited. Oh, my God. Thank God. That's what it was. And I wrote Toots immediately and told her this on the day I congratulated her for having a baby. And she laughed. And the one thing I did leave off of that, and if she ever listens to this, she'll find out the end of the story. <laughs> Two days later, my best friend went to Michigan to go visit uh, people, uh, John Biner being one of them. The night he gets there, he sends me this text. Arrived tonight in Michigan, saw John Biner, whereupon I promptly shared the details of his namesake story, including your reaction to the bad shoulder reveal. He was surprised, flattered, and in, in hysterics about the whole thing. But the icing on the cake is that I introduced the story to him by asking if he remembered you and Toots. His reply, of course I remember Kevin, but I don't think I ever met his girlfriend. <laughs> That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storyteller, Carl Tart. Also thanks to Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, The Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Cause It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on the Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. While on iTunes, feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. 
The more comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes. Plus, it appeases my staunch desire for approval and acceptance. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Because It's True is every other Tuesday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood, located on historic and broken dream-filled Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage, and from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGann. Thanks for listening. Receive this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.